It's the New Mercury Podcast, and here's your host, Kyle Alomar. Welcome back to the New Mercury Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer. This past Saturday witnessed a horrific mass shooting which took place at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh and left 11 people dead. And sadly, the shooter wasn't even among that number. Although, actually, he only qualifies as a person on genetics. Anyway, the shooter, who doesn't bear mentioning by name, had a social media profile littered with a who's who or what's what list of popular far-right-wing nonsense. My personal favorite among these theories that this imbecile subscribes to is the so-called white genocide theory. Have you heard this one? It's great. See, it turns out, demographically, white people aren't breeding with white people, specifically at as high a rate currently as they have in the past. Now, according to the sort of perennial virgin cellar dwellers who have the time to care about this fact, this lack of productivity, or reproductivity rather, will result in the extinction of white people. Now, why this matters is in and of itself quite a mystery, but to the real diehard members of the involuntarily celibate community, this just isn't the work of mere natural selection or the increasing interconnectedness of the world in general. Oh, no, 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 dear friends. There is actually a concerted effort afoot to hasten this extinction, to bring about a, quote, white genocide. Now, how appropriate that I'm recording this on Halloween, right? White genocide. Ooh, spooky. And just who is it that's behind this concerted effort to wipe us? I'm doing air quotes that you can't see because it's a podcast here because my skin pigmentation happens to be caucasoid. But anyway, who is it that's trying to just wipe us out, wipe out all us white people? <laughs> Duh, it's the Jews, of course. So this is the sort of massive imbecility that led to the murder of all those innocent people by a massive imbecile. And I don't even want to spend time talking about the whole white genocide theory because it is just so damn dumb. But here I am, talking about a story where this stupid idea factors in, so, damn it. I mean, I could have picked a different topic for this week, I suppose, but I wanted to discuss gun control, and I will get to that, but it just seems wrong to ignore the motive for this cowardly act, even if the motive is objectively moronic. And according to the official story so far, this coward was motivated to kill Jews because there's some, quote, globalist elite, unquote, cabal of international jewelry trying to wipe out white people by somehow convincing them to not breed with one another, somehow. I'm not sure why this evening is called white genocide, quote, theory, unquote. It's barely a hypothesis. It's kind of more of an observation of demographic facts as observed by people who are bizarrely partial to certain data points in those facts, namely white people. And then those people just start blaming some other unrelated demographic for a downtick in reproduction rates among their own demographic. I have no idea, honestly, how this even became a thing. I mean, I can't imagine how it became a thing to even care about the fact that over time it appears that white people in the USA aren't reproducing at as great a rate as people of other colors. In the future, white people will be a minority in the USA. In the far future, I predict most humans will look vaguely Filipino as we all kind of interbreed with one another. And I stole that joke from a comedian whose name I can't remember because this was like 25 years ago. But it was a heck of a good joke because it stuck with me all this time. Anyway, how this then, though? in a person's mind, becomes white extinction, let alone gets all twisted up into some sort of intentional white genocide being actively perpetrated by others is just beyond me. Aristotle once said that it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. My mind has a hard time even entertaining the whole white genocide theory. 
probably because it can't be bothered to give a damn about the so-called white extinction so-called problem to begin with. As I've said before, hell, I recently devoted an entire episode of the podcast to this very topic, people need to relearn how to mind their own business. I am very fond of saying that what goes on inside of my gun safe is no more anyone's business than what goes on inside of a woman's womb is. I've been saying this for years, and always with regard to abortion. Little did I ever think that American society would become so busybodied that my little comment about wombs would also come to apply to the color of the fetus being intentionally gestated therein. Of course, many of these same people who subscribe to the stupid white genocide theory are also against abortion rights for women, too, so it's not as though it, it's not like they're good at minding their own business in general. I mean, they can't be. They oppose interracial relationships, and they want a white ethnostate. So these imbeciles really have no idea what is their rational self-interest and what isn't. And, as I've said before, being a busybody is a gateway drug to irrational greed. It is irrationally greedy to want other white people to make more white people just because you think it is important to have white people around. Because people who happen to be mostly white made Western civilization over the course of several centuries before any of us, white or otherwise, were even born. And it is just beyond irrational to believe random Jews in your neighborhood are part of some global conspiracy to force down white birth rates. As I've said before, most acts that us lucid people would all agree are objectively evil were committed in an effort to realize an irrational greed. This past Sunday's mass murder in Pittsburgh is no different. Sadly, the shooter's motives would only be laughably insane if they were found bashed into some horribly misspelled word doc on his computer. I mean, they are insane, but they're not quite laughable only because this idiot has company. And, I mean, not a lot of company, relatively speaking, in a country of 360-some million, and none of it good company or at all bright, but they are out there, and the fact that they are out there alone is enough to become a bugbear which can be then used to menace the citizenry. And when a bugbear is allowed to medicine citizenry for long enough, the citizens will clamor to be led to safety from it. And that, of course, is a job for government. When it comes to terrible events like Saturday in Pittsburgh, the something government can do tends to take two broad forms. Uh, one is increasing the amount of monitoring and surveillance of individuals and groups that espouse those sorts of dumb far-right-wing ideas. And the other is the old Democrat go-to play, pass more gun control laws. Now, friends, I am no cybersecurity expert. Hell, for all I know, the NSA grabbed the written draft of this podcast off my hard drive yesterday and perused it before I even got a chance to read it to you here. I mean, I kind of doubt it. I hope they've got more influential targets to spy on. Um, but anyway, I'm sure there's much the NSA and other government agencies could do to track all of our online activity more closely, and the government might just be pushed to do that as the menace of domestic right-wing terror is continually pushed by the media. However, before the bodies of the dead were yet cold on Saturday, my Facebook feed was jammed full of liberals who decided that right now, naturally, was the time to, quote, have a conversation, unquote, about gun control. Of course, that's not true. Liberals don't ever want to have a conversation about gun control. They want to read off a litany of demands and have them all met without question or hesitation. The problem is, as always, that all of their ideas are either dumb, unworkable, impossible, or evil and typically several of those all apply at once. So today, I am going to discuss some of the more popular ideas they always spout off uh, for new gun control laws, and explain why those ideas are dumb, unworkable, impossible, evil, or all of the above. And first up, and this one has become the Democrats' catchphrase, ban assault weapons! 
First of all, assault weapon is a nonsense term invented by liberals and Democrats to describe certain guns that look more scary than others, usually because their furniture is black plastic rather than the traditional familiar American walnut stocks on Grandpa's old deer rifle. It's a twist on the actual term assault rifle, which, by definition, is a rifle that fires a medium-power cartridge from a detachable magazine and is capable of full automatic fire. Actual assault rifles are very tightly regulated and require being registered and a $200 tax stamp be paid. What Democrats are talking about, then, when they use the term assault weapon, is usually a semi-automatic rifle that looks like a fully automatic military counterpart. This is why you often hear them referred to in the media as a military-style weapon, even though no military on Earth issues them. And really, anything a person uses to assault someone else with is a weapon, be it a gun, a baseball bat, or a broken chair leg. As George Carlin once said, let's all try to pay attention to the language we agreed upon. So then, the problem with banning the broad class of firearms the left collectively calls assault weapons, and mature adults call modern sporting rifles, is actually several-fold. First, if by ban you mean simply yank all the unsold ones off of store shelves and never allow them to return, well, I mean, that's fine, but you still have the matter of the tens of millions of such guns already in private hands. In the USA, there is no federal registry of guns except for those that are covered by the National Firearms Act of 1934, and that would include all those fully automatic ones I mentioned before. So then, even if the sale of new semi-automatic rifles was outlawed, Americans would still have millions of them to sell among themselves for centuries to come. And, um... To clarify real quick, the difference between full and semi-auto is, and there's no such thing as full semi-auto, <laughs> if you hear someone say that, just laugh. Um, fully auto means that if, as long as there's ammunition in the magazine, or what people call a clip, and the trigger's held back, the gun will continue to fire until it runs out of ammo. Semi-automatic means you have to pull the trigger every time you want the gun to go bang. Big difference. So anyway, of course... Some on the left thought this far ahead already and have come up with the idea of creating a, quote, universal registry of all guns in the USA so as to make controlling their movement theoretically easier for the government. There are, of course, several problems here as well. If the registry only includes new gun sales going forward, then there's that half-billion guns already privately owned that wouldn't be listed in the registry. Your list would basically start with privately owned gun number 513,673,567, or so. It would take dozens of years of more guns being added to that registry and then being used in some sort of crime before that registry would become even remotely useful. And now, alright, there's a small handful of lefties who have historically been able to think even this far ahead in their gun control ideas and have proposed mandating that all privately owned guns already in private hands be brought in and registered to their owners. And that would solve the problem of the registry being woefully incomplete. But that leaves the problem of expecting 80-plus million Americans to come in and voluntarily tell their evil-ass government about the half-billion guns they own, and that's the sort of boot-licking, monumental naivete that only leftists is capable of. I mean, that maybe one in 50 Americans would actually do that is being generous. Why the hell would I tell the government about guns I own that the government doesn't know I own? Why wouldn't I just tell anyone who asked from the BATF that I lost all my guns in a tragic boating accident last duck season? Of course, the liberals' answer is to make it so there are really severe penalties and prison time forever for anyone who doesn't register their guns. 
I mean, apart from how disgustingly petulant that idea even sounds, it's still a bad one because it wouldn't work any more than the Brady Bill did in making owners of ARs and AKs take pieces and parts off of them to make them compliant. We didn't. We just ignored the unjust law. And this all dovetails into why another popular liberal gun control proposal simply wouldn't work, and that's the idea of having, quote, universal background checks, unquote. See, the way it works now is that if I want to buy a new or used gun from a licensed gun dealer, regardless of whether I'm at their brick-and-mortar store or at a gun show at some other location, doesn't matter, I still have to first be put through a criminal background check through the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS, as the FBI calls it. Apparently, the B becomes silent. Anyway, once I own that gun, though, I'm just free to sell it to whomever I want. So the Liberals' idea is to make it a law that instead of me just being able to sell it to someone else, we both have to come into the gun shop, have the pers prospective buyer put through that next check, you know, for which the dealer will collect a nominal fee for his time, and only then, if the buyer passes the test, can I sell the gun to him. Somehow. It's not like the dealer is going to confiscate the gun from me because the other guy failed his check. The dealer, in fact, can't stop me selling it to the guy once we leave the shop. But, I mean, it's not like the idea of, quote, universal background checks, unquote, isn't unworkable to begin with. It is. And that's because, as I mentioned a bit ago, we don't have a universal registry of firearms in the USA. So if the government doesn't even know I own a gun, it has no way of knowing I sold the gun it didn't know I had to someone else who now the government doesn't know has it. As such, there's no danger in simply ignoring a universal background check law once passed, if ever, because there's just no way for the government to enforce it anyway. So again... You can't ban guns now when there's already a half billion of them in private hands along with a few trillion rounds of ammo. You can't have universal background checks because you don't already have universal registration, and you'll never have that because if Season 7 of The Walking Dead taught us anything, it's that you never, ever register your guns for any reason. This, then, just leaves the left with yet more aggressive options by the government, all of which cross the line into being objectively evil while still being unworkable. I mean, don't be fooled. There are many on the left who would have stood and cheered loudly had Obama given the order for cops to go door-to-door -door and begin violently confiscating guns away from all Americans. Hell, many would probably admit that today. And there are many cops and soldiers who would happily obey such an order. But there's plenty who wouldn't, and we still outnumber the rest. The violence that would naturally ensue from any attempt to enforce such an order would quickly drain the enforcer's appetite to continue stepping over the bodies of their co-workers in an effort to commit evil against their countrymen. So the government isn't just going to be able to take them away from us either. And obviously, forget about an Australian-style thing. This is my favorite wet dream of the liberal left. The idea that real people would just act like Australians and just surrender all their guns because the government told them to. Look how many bump stocks have been surrendered in cities and states that have banned ownership of them and required them to be surrendered. It's still about none. And that's the same degree of compliance one can expect from a similar order regarding guns themselves. Americans won't even surrender the back end of their gun to you, okay? They're not going to give up the whole damn thing. So even though Americans won't register, let alone surrender their guns, and bans and background checks won't work, the advocates for civilian disarmament still have other ideas they'd love to see inflicted upon us. And that's what they really are, folks. Advocates for civilian disarmament. They expect their beloved cops to use guns to take guns away from us icky civilian gun owners. And they don't really bat an eye when their beloved government blows up a busload of Yemeni kids for no reason. And that's where the horrific violence is happening to other people. Far away. Plus, they're brownish people, and CNN doesn't talk about it much, and faux news not at all, so that explains that. 
Lots of liberals seem to think technology will answer all their prayers, and that's more likely than some deity, really, but when it comes to gun control, they might as well be praying to Thor. The big high-tech solution to gun violence that liberals like to float is the idea of, quote, smart guns. Okay, so a smart gun is a gun that can only be fired by its lawful owner. And this is handled uh, usually by some, the idea is some sort of biometric scanner, like a fingerprint scanner right in the grip panel of the gun, or um, some RF signal that comes from a watch or ring that first must be brought near the gun that will unlock some sort of internal failsafe and allow the gun to operate. Now, to liberals and others who don't own guns or know what they're for, this sounds like a great idea. A gun that can't be used by a bad guy who steals it or takes it away from the owner in a scuffle. To those of us who aren't ignorant, the idea of a gun having a default setting that makes it not work unless and until some external parameter is met is completely asinine. I like knowing that the simple, utterly mechanical lockwork inside my Smith & Wesson will always make the gun go bang if I pull the trigger on a loaded charge hole. And that's all I want any gun I own to do, just like any other gun owner. And this is why it's 2018 and we have sex robot brothels, but there's still no viable so-called smart gun on the market. Because nobody wants one. And even if the government were to mandate all new guns be, quote, smart guns, all that would do is put gun makers out of business while fueling a burgeoning trade in the half-billion dumb guns already in private hands. So, given that every idea the liberals have ever had to control guns either won't work, is dumb, and or is evil... Why is it that so many on the left remain so dead set in their determination that government needs to do something about this specter of gun violence? Well, for many, it's nothing more than the simple fact that they believe lies. The Brady campaign to prevent gun violence loves to say that there are, every year in the USA, some 35,000 victims of gun violence. And that sounds like a really big and terrible number. It is, in fact a big and terrible and scary enough number that to many of those confronted with it, they just become convinced that there is some awful epidemic of death by firearm in this country, and, well, damn it, the government needs to do something about it. What many people who are so struck by that number do not do, and in fact are expected not to do by the Brady campaign itself, is to actually look at that claim, at that big-ass number. So that's what we're going to do here. So right off the bat we have a problem. Because according to the FBI's numbers, there are on average between nine and 13,000 firearm homicides committed in the USA each year. Now, on the high end, that's still less than half the Brady campaign's figure. So where did they get that giant number from? Well, it's very simple, really. The Brady campaign to prevent gun violence includes in their 35,000 annual victims of gun violence figure all those who use a gun to commit suicide, as well as all those who are injured by a firearm either by themselves on accident or by a gun owner in a justified self-defense shooting. When I think of the term gun violence, I'm thinking of acts of criminal violence being perpetrated upon victims against their will. I would think that's the sort of thing that would come to most people's mind, not someone intentionally shooting themselves in the mouth because their wife just left them. That cop in that famous YouTube video who's lecturing kids in a school on gun safety who then proceeds to shoot himself in the leg, he got counted as a, quote, victim of gun violence that year in the Brady campaign stats when all he was was a victim of his own ineptitude. But then, 9 to 13,000 isn't as big and scary a number as 35,000, so the Brady campaign inflates it as it deems necessary to dupe people into donating. Well, dupe is probably a strong word. There are plenty of true believers out there. I once had a... I once had a woman tell me that it was not, in fact, disingenuous of the Brady campaign to include suicides as examples of, quote, gun violence, because 
Don't you know, suicide by firearm is a violent way to die. The bullet does violence to the body. I'm not making this up, people. That, dear listeners, that, that conversation actually happened. Apparently someone just really felt the need to defend that absurd number against the real one, I guess. That number, that real number of nine to 13,000 firearm homicides becomes even less frightening when viewed in some sort of context. According to the famous Kleck study, there are 2.2 million times per year that an American uses a firearm to defend his or herself from a criminal attack. Now, you can find the original blog post on my website on the entry for this podcast episode. I'll link it there um, over at the www.thenewmercury.com. Uh, and in it will be all the relevant links to back up what I'm about to say, unless the Violence Policy Center has changed their website since then. But they, they, they were all there. Because a while back, the Violence Policy Center tried to refute the Kleck study. See, the problem a lot of people have with the Kleck study is that it is based on personal interviews with gun owners and not on a strict count of police reports documenting a defensive gun use. And this is because in the vast majority of cases where a gun is used to ward off a criminal or stop a violent crime, the gun is never fired most of the time. Simply having it and making it known to the other that it's there is usually enough to get a would-be mugger or carjacker to go look for an easier mark. As such, most of those instances just don't get reported to the police because there's no need to. There's just nothing to report. Hey, I waved my gun at a guy and he went away. Okay, great. I mean, it's just... Most people don't go make that report. So, though, the Violence Policy Center took the position, hey, police report or it didn't happen. <laughs> This is where it gets funny. In so doing, they inadvertently prove that there are a minimum of, minimum of 60,000 defensive gun uses per year by civilians that do get reported to police. Now, you put that against nine to 13,000 firearm homicides on average, and the Violence Policy Center very eloquently made my case against their own position for me. Thank you very much. Guns in civilian hands prevent exponentially more crimes than they are used in. Now, add to that fact that some 13% of all firearm homicides are gang-related, and the idea that the left tries to sell us that the average member of the public just lives in constant mortal danger of being shot falls all the way apart. Hell, a quick perusal of per capita firearm homicide rates globally puts the lie to the assertion that the USA has some unique problem. The socialist workers' paradise that is Venezuela has a much higher rate, as do many other countries. Now, what we do have here in the USA is a 20-year downtrend in all violent crime, and we've also had a 20-year uptrend in concealed carry permits being issued. Now, obviously, correlation does not equal causation, but I am still willing to bet this is no coincidence. There are some 13 to 14 million Americans who legally carry a concealed handgun on their person every day of the week, every week of the year. Civilians. On any given day, almost all 13 to 14 million go about their business without anyone even knowing they're armed, let alone them having to draw or fire their weapon. Every single day, the overwhelmingly vast majority of this nation's 80-plus million gun owners go about their day without shooting anyone, just like the day before and the day before that. Me, or anyone else, simply owning a firearm infringes upon the rights of no one else and is no one else's business, and this nation needs to relearn how to mind its own business. Only if and when somebody intentionally misuses a firearm does it become anyone else's business. And those anyone else's would be well advised to have a gun of their own. But, and this is the most important thing to always keep in mind, those incidents where someone intentionally chooses to criminally misuse a firearm are statistically and realistically quite rare. And that's because, despite the media trying to convince us all otherwise, most people aren't sociopaths. 
And, deep down, we all know this intrinsically, even if we forget sometimes when we're presented with a horrible event that the media is sensationalizing the hell out of. But we know this. How many of us live along a state highway somewhere and still, every day but Sundays and holidays, go out to the very edge of that road and check our mailboxes while tons of steel whip past at 60 miles an hour? And we do this knowing that at any moment, the passing motors could just give the wheel a little flick of the wrist and wham, we'd be splattered. How many of us are afraid to check the mail despite knowing this? None of us, because we know that most people just aren't psychos and they won't do that. That's how we're all still alive in a nation with more privately owned guns than people and several times that more rounds of ammo. And pretending we live in a nation full of psychopaths diminishes the awfulness of what the small number of actual psychopaths do. The madman who shot up that synagogue isn't typical of anything, not even the weak sauce movement of frustrated virgins that he represents. Pretending he's just one of many more waiting to strike does nothing but gin up hysteria, improve network ratings, and cause support for dumb laws to grow. And really, that's the whole point, I think. That's why the liberal media and the Democrats will never let a mass shooting tragedy go to waste without devoting many hours of airtime to demands for more gun control. That's the whole point of menacing the electorate with domestic terrorist hobgoblins to begin with, to get them to want the government to do something about it. Because it's so much easier for the government to really put it to us serfs if we first beg them to do whatever awful thing it is they're doing. The government learns, people. It just does so very slowly. So the government remembers how mad we all got at it because of the awful truths Ed Snowden brought to light. The government learned that we really don't like finding out what awful stuff it's doing to us after the fact. So the government has learned to first make us beg for more of its awfulness. In an America without the Russiagate fable and the overblown threat of domestic terrorism, increased domestic and internet surveillance of civilians would be an impossibly tough sell. The government has spent two years menacing us with the Russiagate hobgoblin and never misses a chance to scare us with the domestic terrorist hobgoblin, and it does so because it knows before long the sheep will all demand government to do something about them. And that's all the government wants, is to be asked to do something about anything, because any new something it does, or additional something it takes on as part of something else it's already doing, causes a net increase in the size, intrusiveness, cost, and power of government. And government is very much like a cancerous tumor in that it is primarily interested in growth for the sake of growth, spreading into new healthy areas and destroying them. Because if it's not growing, it's either merely maintaining or shrinking, and doing either of those makes it difficult to, for it to demand a, as big of a budget next fiscal year. So, in the end, when it comes to the bugbears of so-called domestic terrorism or gun violence, do not fall for what the vested interests are trying to sell you. Instead, be what the late, great H.L. Mencken described as being the most dangerous sort of person to any government. And what sort of person is that? A heavily armed incel in his mother's basement wondering why none of the girls want to make white babies with him? No, no, that person's not dangerous to anyone but himself, usually. No, to Mr. Mencken, nearly a century ago, the most dangerous man to any government was the sort of man who could think things out for himself without regard for the prevailing taboos and superstitions. That same sort of person is still the most dangerous man to any government, because, as Mr. Mencken correctly predicted, such a person will invariably come to see the government he lives under as intolerable and insane. He further went on to say that such a man, if he is romantic, might be apt to try to change it, and even if he is not personally so, he is apt to spread discontent to those who are. Hell, he was right a century ago, and our government has only gotten more intolerable and insane since. 
And it's only going to get worse unless more of us start acting very dangerously, and romantically as well. well that's enough for this week. Be back here next Wednesday for another thrilling episode of the New Mercury Podcast. In the meantime, please visit the website, www.thenewmercury.com, and uh, you can, there you can check out the aforementioned blog entry and others, there's all sorts. And uh, on the buffoonery page, there's all kinds of stupid original memes and you know goofy stuff like that. So until next time, be dangerous. <laughs>